step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, the name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this, big issues or just a friendly conversation, no topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. Friends and family, welcome back to another episode of Porch Matters. I'm glad you're here. Sure is chilly tonight. This should be the last cold snap here this spring. God, I hope so. I'm about ready to start complaining about it being too hot. But there again, sure would have to fight off a whole lot more bugs whenever it warms up. I don't know. Maybe it just needs to stay just like this. <laughs> Hope I didn't throw y'all off too bad Monday morning whenever you woke up and seen a bonus episode of Porch Matters on your phone. Appreciate Justin Heights for coming on the show again so we can talk about a little bit of wrestling. Try to catch up a little bit. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Releasing the show Sunday night for Monday kind of got me thinking. And I'd really like a little bit of feedback from y'all as well. Do y'all enjoy getting the show on Friday or or getting it on Monday morning? Was it a little bit more beneficial for you? Let me know. Because I'm thinking about changing the release date. Just going to be upfront and honest with you. So if you like it where it is, let me know. If Monday would be better for you, let me know that as well. On this episode, I welcome Jeff and Josh from Underground Birmingham to the porch. They explore old mines in and around the Birmingham area. Old coal mines, old iron ore mines, old limestone mines. They're on Facebook on Birmingham Underground, and I also think they have a YouTube channel as well, Birmingham Underground. They go in, they record what they see, they explain things as they go along. It's really entertaining, and I really enjoyed this conversation. It kind of goes off the rails pretty much from the start, and it was very educational and very entertaining for me. I really enjoyed having these guys on the porch, and I... Hope they come back here pretty soon. Without further ado, let's get started. Josh and Jeff from Underground Birmingham. Welcome to the porch, and how are y'all doing today? Hey, doing pretty good, buddy. How are you? Any better? I'm I don't doing guess fine. I can stand it. <laughs> good, no, good. It's been a great so, day. So, yeah, well, so, so guys, we are actually doing this meeting via Zoom, and Jeff is about 416 years old so you know we might have a lot of talking over each other because jeff is like mind blown with with zoom well, I just, you know technology what did you say it just amazes him <laughs> i'm sorry I, I can't i can't hear you josh what did he say <laughs> <laughs> now don't don't treat me that bad I, I i am old but i was an electronic technician with at&t for yeah, 30 years true. so i know a, li- a little my I know what an ohm is. <laughs> you're doing better. You're doing better than most folks, and if you know what that is, right? <laughs> hey, he's probably already getting ready to hit the dump button and just send us off. Not all, exactly. not at all, but we're we're recording gold right now. This is good stuff. <laughs> so the porch. How uh, how did you come across that name? So so I guess we're going to just take over and start interviewing you. How did you come up with the porch? Where, where is it? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll be more than happy to answer that question for you. We'll, we'll go. Uh, how'd Hannibal Lecter put it in that Silence of the Mount of the Lambs movie? Quick pro quo. I think that's how it is. A question for a yeah, question. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I was doing another podcast with a couple of friends of mine called Two Guys in a Podcast, and we, <laughs> they added <laughs> they added me in, and we had talked about changing the name because it didn't. At that time, it didn't really make much sense to have three guys on the show that was called two guys in a podcast, not knocking them, yeah, just yeah. stating facts, you know, and we got to sit around and was basically just trying to come up with whatever we could come up with. And, and I found an article 
that was, I can't remember the author of it, but the article was titled, uh, like bring back the front porch. And he was talking okay. about how you, in old days, you know, a generation or two back, whenever we had stuff that we had to talk about nine times out of 10, you know, the ladies always went to the kitchen table. Most of the men always went to the porch and that's true. You know, and the porch was in the article, you know, the gateway between the public, between the public and your private world. There was always that little area right there. And I just read the article and I was just like, porch matters porch matters that sounds like an awesome thing because i like talking about different things i like talking about different topics and one of the main things about the show is is you know just a small conversation or a big topic nothing is off limits so that's that that's where the name of it comes from well you know that reminds me that reminds me of growing up when i was a kid and we'd ride up to walker county to jasper to visit my aunt and we would sit out on her front porch, and she did. She had that porch that went all the way across the front, had the washing machine sitting out there, but had rocking chairs, and and uh, and we would all just sit on the front porch and and look out across uh, Highway 269, going up to Jasper, and watch cars go by. So yeah, I, I can agree with porches. Yeah, I'm from Walker County, actually. I'm oh really? I'm, okay. I, I live in a little community called Dilworth. I'm in between geographically between Summerton and Sipsy. Okay, well, yeah, don't, don't hold it again. All out there. I, as, oh as yeah, a, we, as a we friend of mine, around. as a friend of mine said one time, whenever he heard the trailer and everything for the show, he said, "Man, you can go zero to cornbread in a half a second." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how about well, it? So since we're going yeah. quick pro quo. Where did underground Birmingham come from? Oh, well, I, Steph, you want me to? I, I can start, and because I, I started it 400 years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, <at> least. <laughs> when, you know, as you say, but uh, underground Birmingham came from uh, a passion I developed back when I was a teenager. Growing up on the south side of Birmingham, I lived about a mile and a half uh, east west of Vulcan Park and the old mineral railroad grade was still up behind our house that ran through there and his kids would go up there and hike on it and ride our bicycles and we'd go down to Vulcan and uh, visit and all that and uh, as along the way we started noticing these concrete foundations and we chased them up in the woods and on the other end of some of those things were old iron ore mines and so as uh, 13 years old we started exploring iron ore mines and for me, it just got uh, better, better, well, or worse and worse, depends on how you look at it. It became a, a passion and addiction. And I've been doing that for 50 something years now. And uh, so that's really, it's, it, it's about me exploring the minds as a kid, but also about learning the history and trying to teach it to other people who have grown up since then that have maybe never heard about that history and don't even know that it it exists. So uh, that's my roots in it. And then Josh uh, uh, joined in and he started into it and he actually came up with the idea of starting the uh, uh, Facebook page. And, and, and so we just sort of determined we might call it underground Birmingham. Uh, And then uh, that's sort of where the name came from. Yeah, originally it was going to be Birmingham Underground, but that uh, that name was actually taken uh, by a page that has like three followers, and I could not ever get in touch with the guy to see if we could have the name. So you know, we just flipped it and did Underground Birmingham. Right. And, you know, it's, we we started I think uh, 2017 uh, with the page. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. We, yeah. A couple of years yeah, before, you, actually, know, we, you know, we were documenting and, and exploring. Yeah, I met Josh about a year before that when he contacted me after seeing some of my photos. But I had to put him through proper, uh, you know, in, uh, law enforcement background checks and uh, do a, a thing of to see what his motives were so that uh, we could protect the historic assets of what I was getting ready to show him. And uh, he's managed to pass all of that. So here we are. It's amazing what a pinky promise can do. 
right? All it was. Hey, <laughs> you pinky promise you won't tell this location. For those, for those, no, you know, for those in the audience that might not be aware of what a pinky promise is, that's old school. Well, you, you used that's to take each other's pinky and shake it. And anytime you made a pinky promise, you could not break that promise whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah, see, now y'all, y'all are the young generation. Y'all are the wimps, though. See, now when I was a kid, it was blood brothers. You would cut yeah, your yeah. fingers and you would touch the ends together. So, I mean, you know, like society's getting soft, man. Y'all need to catch up. <laughs> I could, well, I Jeff, you know, more uh, you. <laughs> but if Jeff cut his finger, you know, to, to, to do that now, I mean, he would bleed out as old as he is. Yeah, you ain't on blood thinner, well, are you? No, no, no. I always carry a roll of electrical tape and a McDonald's napkin. So if I get cut, I can wrap it. Hey, that's, See, I'm old, that's old, I, that right I, there I, I is good survival instincts right there. I mean, that's just like carrying a pocket no. knife, a screwdriver, a pair yep. of battery cables in your truck. You never know when you're going to need it. No, and I literally do that. I literally do that. So that's, that's, uh, cause I've worked in the forest for 10 or 12 years and you never knew when you were going to be out there and uh, slip and cut your hand or something on the saw or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I, I do that. I mean, that's real. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You also, you know, <clears throat> if you're, especially if you're out in the forestry and everything, you never know when nature might call and you have to go do number two and forget a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Or know what poison ivy looks like anyway. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I'm getting uh, a little deep now. We, we we're losing track here. We need we to are. get back. <laughs> but <laughs> you know that a lot. Some of my listeners are not necessarily from this area. If okay. you would, if you would, let's let's dive into a little bit of the history since you're talking about Birmingham Underground or Underground Birmingham, rather. Sorry, I got both names plugged huh? for you just in case. I'm doing <laughs> hey, no worries, man. But a lot you of people don't. A lot of people don't understand that the geographic area of where the city of Birmingham is from was huge in iron ore and steel and everything. That coal, iron ore, and steel is the things that actually made Birmingham big back in the day. Right. There there were actually uh, three minerals. You had the iron ore, the coal, and the limestone yes, uh, that were all centrally located to this area, and it's one of the very few spots of uh, on the planet where that happens, uh, where these things are within about five miles apart, there's a place over in uh, uh, England where they actually have the same situation. And from my understanding from a geologist is that is actually part of the Appalachian chain over there. So it could be possibly part of the same mountain range. But we had those three unique things here in Birmingham that you had to have to make iron. And so that made us competitive with the uh, northern iron markets. Now, our, our iron ore wasn't quite as high quality as what they had in Pennsylvania and, and, and those areas up there, but because they had to haul the, the materials hundreds of miles to get it to the plants, and we only had to haul it five miles to get it to the plant, we could use more of a less quality grade and actually make a equal or better product to what they were making up there. So uh, that's really the reason that Birmingham is here. We were not uh, based on a major river like you would have had in an agricultural society where they used river travel to get their products to market. So uh, the only thing that would draw people to this valley uh, was the, the minerals and we're blessed with those. And actually, downtown Birmingham uh, is a valley now, but it used to be the top of Red Mountain way back, you know, two or three years ago uh, before all the uh, runoff and started washing it out and everything. But uh, it used to be one solid mountain. And when it eroded away, now you have Red Mountain, which they refer to as East Red Mountain, and then you have on the north side of Birmingham going out through Bessemer, what they call West Red Mountain. And, uh, and then you have coal on both sides of those. And then you have in the middle where the city is, is where the limestone's located. And it actually runs all the way from Trussville down through Birmingham, Helena, Pelham, 
and just running south in that direction. So, but we're blessed with minerals, and that is what uh, caused Birmingham to be founded here. Yes, sir. You know, they, I've I've said something on two or three podcasts about how big coal was in this area. You know, I, I cut my teeth in a coal mine, stockpiling yes. and everything, especially up in where I'm at. You know, Walker County, Fayette, Tuscaloosa. According to the Alabama history book that I was taught in high school or in uh, junior high or whatever, at one point in time, those three counties would go one, two, three on a national state on a national stage as far as production and everything goes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, basically, yes. anywhere you can throw a rock, you're going to hit a mine. Yes, sir. That's all right. That's like where I live. Yeah, right? you had. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you you go ahead. I, you're you're the boss here, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're my guest, so. <laughs> but we're uh, not where I, was, I, where yeah, I, I currently just, live I, right now. I am totally yes. surrounded. Every just about Walker County nine out of, is just about one solid strip bit. But where I live geographically right now, there is an old mine that goes all the way around the perimeter of where I live. And I mean, huh. I have childhood memories of hearing the siren and everything going off. Whenever they put off two to three shots a day, we'd always have fun with it and come up with different types of games and stuff to play around with and have the house shake. Yep. But what, go ahead and please yeah. continue what you was going to say. Well, we've uh, been doing quite a bit of uh, exploring up in that area lately. As, as I say, they spent the first part of, my life more or less investigating iron ore mines but the last two years we started to spread out into coal and that's one of the things we found with with the warrior coal fields in the north and the, the uh, Cahaba and Coosa coal fields in the south Birmingham is just totally surrounded like Josh said you can't throw a rock without you know or spit without hitting a coal property somewhere uh, especially up around uh, Sipsy and Sayre and Dora and Summerton and Cordova. I mean, those places are just literally covered with drift mines because you not only had the major corporations of U.S. Steel, Sloss, Woodward, Gulf States, you had hundreds of independent little coal companies. And that's where my mother's family came in, the O'Rears and Jasper. They had O'Rear Coal Company and they had some mines in Drifton, Alabama, which is not too far from you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, coal, this is a huge coal area. And uh, there's only a few coal mines still operating, uh, but uh, the potential here is still very great. Yes, sir. Anytime the coal price fluctuates, after Drummond found out that that wonderful thing called mineral rights, that from everything that I've read, there's... <laughs> There's three main owners of mineral rights in this state, Drummond Coal Company, Alabama Power, and the University of Alabama. And any time, yep. and the way, I mean, I could be wrong, please correct me, but Drummond found a way to get around the unions, and then they started, uh, what do you call it, subcontracting out their mineral to different mines and everything, and they were able to hire non-union people, and that's what busted the unions around here. But at one point in time, yes. United Mine Workers was the place to work as far as that was the organization that you wanted to be in. My granddaddy, as you mentioned, the mine in, mine in Sayre, he was number one on the seniority list for a long time. I think he was one of the few that was there whenever it opened and all the way to the day it closed. He ended up finishing out yeah. his time at Barry. My other granddad, mm -hmm. my mother's father, he actually spent time in the mines over here in Dilworth. And he used to tell me stories about how he'd have to crawl around and he was pretty much on his belly all day. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's all true. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand how hard a work that coal mining actually used to be back in the day. Absolutely. I mean, hell, we, we, we know exactly how that is. You know, just trying to chase out some of those you know, headers and slopes and, you know, just the, you know, the short, I mean, you, you've got some areas that have maybe eight, nine, 10 inches. You know, you're, like you said, you're on your hands and knees crawling on your stomach. There is no way, no way 
I could ever do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that, that's one thing that we try to do is, you know, we try to highlight and, you know, let everyone understand what these guys went through and, you know, to, to, to build basically an entire city and to provide for their family. And, you know, it's just, you know, we, we try to, we try to pay respect to the history as well as the past, former, you know, current, future, all those miners. Cause I mean, that, 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 a very, very hard job. It goes back to what I think it was you said earlier, talking about how we, I know you were making a joke, but there's a lot of truth in what, in that statement that you made, how we were soft. Yeah. I know, like I said, I know it was a joke, but at the same time, there is a ton of truth in that because I'll be honest with you. Some of the stories that my granddaddy told me, I, I'll go ahead and tell you, I ain't doing it unless I have to. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I've, uh, well, I've pitched a baseball. I've, I've pitched a baseball game with a broken hand. I've torn a hamstring running a marathon. Completed the the, the the marathon as I've gone through a lot of injuries and a lot of pain. Right. And I would take that every time over seeing what I see in the minds working there. There, there. There's just no way. I just you know I'm just astounded by you know what those guys were able to do. Same here. You know, yeah, I've, I've had my, my I've had my share of stuff too. And my dad told me a story because my granddaddy wanted to get my dad a job down there. Either that or my dad had talked about it, and he was just trying to scare him off. One of the two, but he told me yeah. the story about how he used to, he loaded up in that little wooden carriage, and they just wound him on down. All he heard was creaks and pops and everything like that. Whenever they finally got down there to the bottom, he didn't stay long. He couldn't stand it. He said, I got to yeah. go. And he said, that was the first and only time he ever went down in a mine. And he said, I'll never do that again. Even if I have to do stuff that I don't really want to do, you know, right. to, to put it, to put it nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, well, I had, it, it, it takes a special person to do it. It does. My grandfather and, um, had both of my grandfathers were actually involved in coal. They had the O'Rears and, and Jasper and then, you had uh, my grandfather in Hazard, Kentucky, and so my mother uh, on this. So I'm an adopted kid, so I got like six families, you know. So uh, when I say mother, mother twice, you're, you're going to go, this guy's a nut. But really, it's just a family thing. But my birth father and grandfather in Hazard, Kentucky, were coal miners at Columbus Coal in a little town called Alice. And uh, my mother, my birth mother, would tell me stories about my father, that he, uh, grandfather, that he was short. And so they put him in all of those tight places where he had to crawl. And so he spent most of his time on his hands and knees crawling through those uh, 24-inch coal seams up there on his stomach, hacking that stuff out. So uh, I couldn't imagine doing it. Uh, unless I was working for one of these companies today that's using uh, continuous miners or long wall mining, but pick and shovel, no, I'd have to just back out of that. Well, Absolutely. Back in the day, Mine Safety and Health Administration didn't exist. And you, we also, as much as we talk about, or as much as I talk about how I wouldn't do it, you also got to put yourself in the, in the context of the times too. You either did, you yes. either did that, or you stayed at home and farmed. So, and, and, right. and at the time, coal That's mining was was the job to have around here, right. especially because it's the one that paid the most. Even though it was the most dangerous, it still paid the most. Yeah, and then you had sometimes you had to deal with mules. They had a lot of mules in the mines to pull the mine cars around if the mines were tall enough to do that. Right. Uh, and and so it was would have been a very interesting time to see if if I ever develop a time machine, that's where I'm going back to that period to see how things were. <laughs> Jeff, back in that period. No, don't, don't, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've already been there. I should know. Yeah, <laughs> you were there before, during and after. <laughs> But no, I, you know, Jeff and I, you know, we, we, we always give each other a hard time, but you know, I mean, 
when you do the things that we do going into these abandoned mines, and you know, we look, we want to stress to your listeners, your audience, uh, what we do is extremely stupid. It is extremely dumb. We do take precautions the best we can. But look, these things were not designed. These are not caves. They were not designed to stand forever. They were designed to extract the mineral and then collapse in on itself. Exactly. You know, so what what we're going in, you know, some sometimes 150 years old. You know, and 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 it hasn't been inspected, serviced, no upgrades, nothing for over a hundred years in some of these things. Um, So these are death traps. These are. It's it's just like Jeff said. It's a it's a passion. It's an addiction, and to showcase and try to you know, try to bring that history for the majority of the people that will never be able to see that. That's, you know, because everyone here has some sort of connection to an ancestor, you know, unless you're an implant person, everybody has somebody that worked in the mines, whether it be the father, grandfather, whomever. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to do is, you know, just try to showcase that history, you know, that, that, that these guys built an entire city on. You know, if they didn't work in the mines, they worked in the iron centers at TCI or Woodward or Sloths, one of those manufacturing facilities. So everyone seemed to have uh, at least one family member uh, in in that type of uh, job situation. Uh, And like Josh was saying about going in the mines, it's not really a smart thing to do. My mother used to spank me when I was a child, my adoptive mother, and tell me not to do it but it didn't do any good so she eventually quit spanking me uh, but I was ex- I, I was exploring iron ore mines and there is a big difference between the two iron ore and coal uh, coal has so many more gases black damp it has all kinds of things that you can't smell that will sneak up on you and by the time you realize it it's too late yes, iron ore mines are, are still dangerous but you, you have a potential for low oxygen levels, but you don't have to worry about all of the gases and things like that. But you could still get crushed from something falling off of the ceiling. So I would say, no, do not go in the mines. Uh, I do it. Uh, I don't know. I blame my birth mother and my uh, uh, adoptive mother's parents for ge- uh, genetics since all my family were coal miners, I just sort of have this draw. If I see a hole in the ground, I want to see what's in it. And um, But I, I tend to stay away from coal a, a bit more uh, than Josh. I kind of let him have that. You always need somebody on the outside anytime you go in a mine. So I default to Josh uh, when we go to coal mines, and I, I become the outside guy. But uh, I would not recommend to anyone that you go in a in an old mine. It's just really not safe. Well, speaking of of mines and everything, and you just kindly touched on where I was wanting to go. Where are what are y'all safety precautions and procedures and everything? How how do y'all go about exploring? Do you let do you make sure people outside know where you're at? What happens if you get lost well, down there? You know, time well, when I. Up. You know, when I first started 400 years ago, right, Josh? Um, yep. <laughs> when, I first, when I first started at 13 years old, uh, that was the days when you went outside to play. And, you know, mom didn't say stay in the yard. She said stay within a mile of the house. Right. So I was on that, I was on that mountain a lot of times with my friends and a lot of times alone. And sometimes people didn't know where we were. Now, when I grew up and, and got a little more responsible, I would tell somebody, uh, when I met my wife and we got married, I would leave her a map on the map. I would show her the location I would be, and I would take a flag, and I would stick the flag in the opening wherever I decided to go in. So if I didn't come home, they could come to that area, find the flag, and they'd know where to look. Uh, and then later on, uh, 40 years later, I met Josh, and uh, I let Josh become uh, my co-partner in this so that we would know where we are. Still, we're telling wives and friends where we are, how to get there, 
but Josh became part of my safety equipment and then I would let him go first. And if he didn't pass out, I would follow him. Uh, <laughs> now, I, we have repl- it's, since then, we have replaced those, though, because I've talked to we've gone to over to the Mine Safety Health Administration office. We've talked to several different companies, mine safety engineers around town with uh, uh, Warrior Met, with uh, some of the other companies, and have talked to them about mine safety. And of course, the first thing they say is, don't do it. What are you even doing it for? No. Right. But they've told us what kind of meters that we need for the best chance to survive. And so we do everything that we can to try to be safe as possible when we go do this. And, uh, you know, that's about all we can do. People are always asking us or telling us you you could get seriously hurt or die. And and we don't want to seem uh, arrogant, yeah, or anything about it. But we have studied it some, and we have the, the general uh, designs of how the mines should look inside and things like that. So we take the most precaution we can when we do go in a mine. It's not perfect. We could still die, but we try. That's all, you know, that's all we can do. And the thing about it is we could still die on the way going there in the car, you know? uh, Oh, yeah. You must have been reading my mind because that's exactly what I was fixing to say. People that have other... Yeah, there are people that have other extreme... Hobbies, you know, mountain climbing, rappelling, um, jumping out of airplanes. Uh, I mean, there's a hundred different hobbies out there that people could potentially die from. And uh, so, I, you know, I don't want to be flipping about it, but this is just another hobby. You know, I mean, it's different, but it has everything has inherent risk. Just telling your wife no could get you killed. So, you know, you got to. It's a. Uh, so, you know, I mean, every, there's chances of danger all around, and you just have to weigh those dangers against uh, what could happen. And and I realize that death is very serious and could happen, but uh, I uh, you do what I can. That's all I can say. That's one hobby well, yeah, we, that we, I we, never we, understood. I'm sorry. I jumping out of a plane? Yeah, I, ne- I never understood jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> I really I never did. Another another one I never no. understood was golf. I don't know if y'all are golf enthusiasts, but I've never understood golf. Oh, well, Too since expensive. I spent so much time, I spent so much time hiking. Golf is good for me because I knock the ball out in the woods half the time. So when I do, I'm, I explore a little while. I'm looking for the ball. <laughs> See, the, the the thing with me, you know, I've always been, you know, an adrenaline junkie. I've always, you know, since since, since I was a since I was able to walk, I mean, I always just enjoyed the thrill, enjoyed the rush, enjoyed pushing the boundaries and just, you know, seeing what the limits were. Um, you know, so, I mean, look, I, I've jumped out of a plane before I've gone, you know, miles underground before. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's something about that adrenaline that just, you can't really replace it with anything else. You know, so I mean, you know, the, a lot of the reasons, you know, and, and, and Jeff will tell you, I mean, I'll push the boundaries a lot more than he will. Um, yes. I shouldn't do it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, I, I try to do it as safely as possible, you know, just like the video that I uploaded today. I mean, you know, that's, that was one of those I should have got the hell out of there, you know, as, as soon as I looked at it. But I, I agree. No. I agree too. I you was know, watching that before we hit the record button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, uh, I, I tell you know, Josh. Josh is much more uh, a risk taker than I am, especially with the mines. And Josh is probably the best friend that I've got uh, around uh, because I know he's watching my back when we go out into the to the mines Absolutely. and explore. And, and you know, he'll he'll carry my pack out if I need him to, since I'm so old. But uh, he does do things that that I think are a little over the line. And I've told him before, I said, look, if you go in that coal mine and you don't come back out in 45 minutes, I'm sorry, I am not coming in to look for you, but I will call 911 when I get home. So, uh, 
Well, well, after four hundred something years' experience, like you have, as he keeps, you know, <laughs> well, that that's that wisdom that you've you've acquired over the years. But look, I mean, we've yeah. we've, we've been in some some hairy situations on the ground. I mean, we've we've had um we've had people, you know a couple of people that have broken off in the pack that got lost. Um, so you know, you 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 have to basically trust someone with your life when you're underground because if something happens. You know, you have to depend on that person. Well, without yeah, so, without one that I know that I can. Without digging into too much, you tell us some about something about those little hairy details if you can. Without naming names or whatever to protect the innocent or the guilty or whatever. Well, well, I'll I'll let Josh tell the story, but I do want to say though that when we go in. And that's another reason that you talk to people before you take someone with you so that you kind of have an understanding of what they're going to do and how they're going to react. But the biggest, the biggest rule of all when you're going in a mine is you, you have a partner and you stay with that partner. You do not get out of sight of one another. And generally, if there's more than one group, you try to keep the groups at least within visual distance of your lights. Uh, but this person that that particular day that wandered off and got lost, he failed to follow that rule and he did not stay with his partner. And he got down in there and uh, got turned around because it kind of all looked the same. And I'll just let Josh tell the rest of that. But but that's the main thing. You've got to follow the rules if you're going to go do this stuff. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that, that that's pretty much it. I mean, it was about a four hour search and rescue well, not really rescue, but I mean, it's about a four-hour search. Um, you know, when you're you're under there, I mean, this this was a mine that we had never explored before. Uh, you know, so I mean, we we haven't had a chance to map it out. You know, we didn't really have a an official um, you know map from you know from the company either. Right. And uh, it was just it was just a scary situation. I mean, you know, you, you you can't find the guy. You're on your last set of batteries. You know, you're way in this mine. You know, you you basically are hoping you haven't got turned around looking for the guy. You know, you can't yell because you yell. I mean, your voice just is absorbed by the walls, or you know, it just echoes through all the chambers. And um, you know, we we found him; he was fine. Um, you know, it just it, it was just a scary, scary situation. And I mean, it it just it just highlights you know how you have to fully trust your partner because you do not know what's going to happen in these things. For, for those of us that are listening that may not have been in ever heard of a coal miner, never had anybody that's ever been in one in their family or whatever. Most of those mines, even your iron ore mines and everything, please correct me if I'm wrong. They're usually somewhere in the neighborhood of a mile and a half to two miles deep on average. And all of the turns, yeah, the, all the turns and everything pretty much look the same. Yeah, but when when you're going down into the to the old iron ore mines that we go into, uh, they're basically were laid out like streets. You would put in a main slope, then every eighty hundred feet you'll turn off a right and a left hand turn off of that main slope. And you'll continue that pattern as you continue to go deeper into the ground. And they number them as you're going in. So as you're walking down the slope, you'll see where they've got one R on the on the right and one L on the left so that you can keep up in the main slope with how far down in the mine you are. The problem is when you get off onto those headings and you start back into there, there's not any more numbering. So every time they'll do a breakthrough from one heading to the next, it creates a, a pathway and a chamber. And all of it, like you say, all of those little things down through there look the same. Yeah, it, but it's still basically in a, a pattern laid out. So you, if you go in, down in, in iron ore, the iron ore here is on a 20-something degree slope going down. So it's uh, no, I mean, I'm going to say it's not hard to get lost, but uh, it's a little harder to get lost because if you're going down the hill and you turn right and you get in there and get confused, you always know you got to go up to get out. Right. And if you turned right off of the slope, you need to turn, look up and turn right again 
and that takes you back to the main slope. But when they yeah, go they after they mine those uh, areas out, they'll come back and rob all of the pillars, and it'll leave uh, it'll leave uh, smaller pillars that are just like you say. It's a honeycomb. It's hard to keep your sense of direction, and that's what happened to this guy that time. Fortunately, he just kind of decided to sit down and not wander around, and we finally found him. Now, coal mines uh, are similar to that uh, same design. I, I can't speak because I've never really been in to a lot of coal mines, but from maps that we have of the coal mines, they're similarly laid out in that same type of pattern, but it can get very confusing very quickly, especially if you get uh, a little bit panicky and, and start to, to lose control. And so that's where the big danger is, is that you'll get panicky, then you don't know what to do, and you make a bad choice. And look, the thing about it is, what people don't understand, you can close your eyes right now, and you can shut them as tight as you can in a pitch black closet, and it doesn't compare to the darkness that's in these mines. Mm -hmm. So if you lose your light, if your batteries are gone, I mean, your jet takes about 30 flashlights in there. Right. If you lose your light with the ceilings that you're walking on, the paths, you're done. There, there, there's no finding your way out. Uh -uh. If you lose your light, you're done. Okay. Old, yeah, I, I, old I don't school care. miners I don't used to talk about how their best friend was their lantern. Yeah, yeah it is true. Now, I don't actually carry 30, but I do carry five. I carry two headlamps and I carry three flashlights and I have two sets of backup batteries for each one of those lights. Plus we'll put out uh, light sticks as we go down through the tunnels, mm -hmm. glow sticks so that we can look back and see the last one. And so we're never really out of sight of something that can direct us out. So, uh, and also, you know, yeah. also the glow sticks, you know, we, we do have a time limit on when we're supposed to be out of these things. And, you know, the glow sticks, you know, will last for 12, 18, 24 hours. So if we don't come out in that set time frame, all the rescue people have to do, and they know this, is to follow the glow sticks. You know, don't, don't look at the, you know, anything else, just follow the glow sticks. It's basically like breadcrumbs. It's going to lead you to where we are. Right. What are some of your favorite yeah. mines that you've been into? The ones that you like to go back to or whatever? Well, uh, there's a little problem with that in that they're still open. And so we do not give the names or locations of open mines. Um, it's, it's not that we're, again, trying to be uh, snooty or anything, but we're just trying to protect people who may not know exactly how to maneuver there and also what we're trying to do is protect historic assets because uh, we had one mine up on the mountain uh, a couple of years ago someone did a, a video blog they filmed their exact trace uh, for how to get to the mine where the opening was went in the mine showed it posted that on video on youtube uh, three months later, the owner is out there with a track hoe closing this mine that has been open, you know, for 150 years. And I had been exploring it for 40. And uh, one day I get a phone call and say, hey, man, you got to come over here. They're closing this thing up. And so that's another reason, because we don't want to attract people who are not going to respect it for its historic uh, properties, but want to go out there and create a party zone, paint graffiti on it, start stealing stuff, breaking things like that. So any open mines, uh, we will not, <clears throat> excuse me, we will not give the name of it. Now, if it's something that has long since been closed or you could never get in, we'll tell you the names of some of those. Uh, but there's there's four or five in the Birmingham area that are probably my favorite because I've grown up seeing them since a kid. Um, but but I, unfortunately, I can't tell you what they are. I definitely understand where you're coming from, and I don't rightly blame you. 
I wouldn't either. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's just basically, you know, like I said, anywhere you throw a rock, you're going to hit a mine. So, uh-huh. and each mine is unique. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of the, you know, the same layout, same characteristics. Uh, but, you know, when you come across a mining cart, you know, uh, workers tools, you know, stuff like that, mule shoe prints, uh, you know, it, it's Old just pumps. You know, cool to see stuff like that. You know, pumps, yeah. Shoes. I mean, it's just incredible. And on top of that, there's a lot of mines that's around, especially in this area, that's undocumented. That's um, true. I know, yes. I know whenever Carbon Hill High School burned down several years ago, the community in the town wanted it built back right where it was. Well, lo and behold, there was <laughs> there was a ton of underground mine shafts underneath where it was, and they couldn't build it back where it was. And I, I'm sorry, I was laughing, but it's not because of Carbon Hill High School. I was laughing because it seems like that nowadays when they get ready to build a high school, the, I know of at least five that are built on top of coal mines. Mm-hmm. And that was their, you know, and, and one of them I, I lobbied for heavily. I said, look, guys, there's a mine portal concrete mine portal in the middle of your school property with the name of the mine and the dates keep it close close the thing up but keep the portal in your school what a great teaching tool that would be for the history of the people of that area but they they bulldozed it buried it in the ground and then built the school right on top of it uh so that's when you were saying they didn't want to build it because there's tunnels on there under it, that doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. They just, I mean, as a person that loves mines, every time you see an interstate interchange going up or something like that, you go, yep, they found another mine. That's where they're building it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh, but, I've, uh, I've told a few friends of mine that if that new Madrid earthquake ever erupts again, this whole area is probably going to sink because of all the mine shafts yep. and everything around here. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there will I, be a little shift. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think people understand just how many mine shafts is around this area and how big mining yeah. was in a general for this area. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, true. It's everywhere, uh, you know, except under downtown Birmingham. Um, yeah. and that's where you have your lime, you have your limestone that's under the city of Birmingham, but it's hollow. Uh, all of those lime formations will eventually, uh, you know, somewhat, uh, uh, dang, Josh, I'm old. I can't think of the word, not melt, but what erode. it does when the road, a road, that's erode. it. See, I knew there was a word in there somewhere. <laughs> it will eventually erode and it will create sinkholes. And, and so you'll see these sinkholes popping up here and there. And then every time they try to build a building downtown in Birmingham, they dig down 60, 80 feet and they hit water because it's all stored in that those hollow limestone under there. But uh, yeah, I mean, between the limestone uh, tunnels and things, caves down there and all the mines, this whole county is, is filled up with tunnels. And Shelby County is pretty well known for sinkholes, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, there's a yeah. Lot, of, lot of limestone in Shelby County. And there's a lot of coal in Shelby County, too. There is, especially around Montevallo, heading north up, up, you know, towards West Blockton and Colonar and Piper and those areas. So of course, those are, I think, are in Bibb County, technically, but County, they're yeah. on, on, on that end of Shelby County. Yeah. Well, guys, I sure do appreciate y'all taking the time to come on the show. Um, oh, we, we enjoy it. Before we leave... Everybody, if you would, go to facebook.com slash underground Birmingham and see what these guys are doing. If you're into this type of thing, give them a follow, check out their page and everything, and just leave them a comment and say, Porch Matters sent you. Josh does a great job doing some of our videos, and he he, uh, posts things up on our uh, YouTube page and, and things like that, too, so... Uh, there's a lot of neat things to see. Anything else you'd like to plug? 
No, hey, uh, uh, well, we, I mean, we're, our book. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess plug away, sir. Yeah. Plug away. No, no, well, we came out with a, a book a while back, and, uh, and uh, it's still out on the market. It's called Underground Birmingham, an image of Birmingham's iron ore mines. Uh, so it's mostly a pictorial-type book. It's got about 165 photos in it with uh, a brief history of the Birmingham uh, Mineral District in the beginning of it. Uh, but it's a pretty neat little book. Uh, it's it's uh, online at our site. At, uh, um, Josh will give you the, the exact link, but we have it on. You can find it on the, our link on Underground Birmingham, and order a copy there, and you can get a signed copy. Uh, and it's not too expensive. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you know. I, I, I think you get what you pay for. It's uh, yeah. twenty three ninety nine, and you can purchase it at undergroundbirmingham.com. Okay. I'll be picking me up a copy of it here pretty soon. Okay, cool, cool. Well, we need to come well, up come up to uh, uh, sit on your porch sometime and, and uh, chat a while. We can sit at each end of the porch, you know, and socially uh, separate if necessary. Brother, if y'all yeah. <laughs> if y'all want to come up, feel free. I'll set up some chairs. I got a barbecue grill right over here next to me. I'll get a pork shoulder going. We'll just sit here and tell stories and smoke butt and smoke butts. Heck yeah, smoke butt. Smoke oh, butts. Smoke. Well, I was wondering what kind of butts you're talking about. That means something. Totally, pork totally butts, sir. Pork butts. <laughs> Flashbacks. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I had, now I have to say a disclaimer because I did not smoke dope during the seventies because I was the bus driver for the band and I had to stay sober. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's a that sounds like stories for another episode, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate y'all coming on. I really do. You're, you're welcome. Right, Thank you for it. having. Big thanks to Jeff and Josh from Underground Birmingham for coming on the porch. Find them on Facebook and on YouTube. If you are new to the show and like what you hear, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button and download the episodes in our archives. If this show has been a positive addition to your life, please rate the show and leave a review. Won't take you but a minute and it really would help the show. Find us on social media by typing in Porch Matters in the search bar. Word of mouth is still the best way of sharing. Please pick your favorite episode and share it with at least one person this week. There are a lot of people out there that have never heard of a podcast before. I sure would appreciate it. And I'll see you next time right here on Porch Matters.